certain point in your life where you were just like, it just all of a sudden it just like hit and your muscles just kind of like really started to respond? Um, you know, I started lifting when I was like, tw- like maybe like 11 or 12. Yeah. And so I like, I almost, I didn't really know what I was doing. Mm-hmm. And so, um, like, uh, getting like bigger and getting stronger, it started probably happening, uh, like around 15 or 16. Yeah. And, uh, I just, I didn't even really, I just, I didn't know anything about lifting. I just, my brothers did it. And so I got into it. And I I knew that I wanted to be like stronger, but I didn't I didn't know I didn't even know that you would like I didn't really know you'd get like bigger like I didn't know you'd get like more muscular from it. and then I started getting like stretch marks on like the insides of my arms and they're growing that much. My friends were like, "You're on steroids," <laughs> and, uh, so it was yeah it was this uh, like a weird side effect of all the lifting, but I didn't really know I didn't understand what it was. I was just in my garage, so I didn't see other people lifting really, so I didn't know you would get like big and jacked. You know, I knew I'd get stronger, but I kind of didn't understand the whole concept. You were just living in a cave, lifting weights. (laughs) See, the past year, dude, I don't know what it is, but like my body has started to like respond. And I don't know if it's because like I'm starting to like put the mind to the actual motion and like contracting and focusing and starting to work percentages and stuff. But like my body in the past year has like started to get these like things and starting to get the tit cut and stuff. Nice. Feeling pretty good. It's uh. Well, it has, it has to do with, you know, concentrating on something, you yeah. know, like you put some uh, concentration on it, but a lot of times you end up being great at the things that you don't even really focus on. It's like some things happen almost by accident with your like conditioning level, your crazy conditioning level. Would you say, uh, obviously you've worked on it probably the last few years, probably honed in on it a little bit more cause you've been competing and, and things like that. But is that something that you just kind of like fell into just because of all the activity as a kid or something like that? Well, just as a kid, like I, I, it kind of like blows my mind. Like I met a girl a couple days ago who had never, she lives in the Valley over the hill and she's, she's a total babe. Freaked me out actually, but she had never seen the ocean before. And she was like in her like late teens or like early twenties. And I was like, when I was a kid, like it doesn't matter if I didn't have a car or anything. Like I would get on a bike and I would like ride two or three towns over because like I found out about a watering hole with like a twenty foot rock to jump off of. We ride all the way out there. It takes us like three hours to get there, <laughs> right. and then we just jump off a rock for fifteen minutes and then get right back on the bike. And like we rampage. And at no point in time did I say like <laughs> like oh I needed to get in, I'm get using this to get in better shape or I need to go farther. It's just we did shit. We digged holes. We ran up. You know, climb trees. We just kept on moving. You were bored out of your mind. You just, wanted to f- try to find something to do. Yeah, I was an insane person. I would wake up every day without a doubt, four thirty-five a.m. And my family like created this like they like put like a ban on me. They're like, do not touch a door before the hour of eight every single day, or you're grounded. And I quickly learned that like grounded was a serious thing. Like if you're <laughs> insane, putting an insane person in a cage, meaning like a room for being <laughs> grounded, makes it way worse. So I learned my lesson quickly, and. I would just like get on my skateboard and I'd be all by myself for like two or three hours every morning, like just moving. Just before school or something? Before school, on the weekends, whatever, until Mm. people woke up and would start hanging out with me. (laughs) And like eventually, I think I was just basically kind of like, just like you, incrementally, it was like me putting on miles, doing the crazy stuff I was doing was almost like as if like every single time you went into the gym without even noticing, you putting on two and a half pound plates. Right. Week after week after week. And eventually, like, I just had this engine where I was like, people were like, hey, you should try this, like, half marathon or something. And I would, like, go and do it. And I would just, just 
breeze through it. And I was like, oh, that wasn't really that hard. And he's like, well, I've been training for six months. And I was like, well, maybe I should try harder. And it, like, I don't know, man. Like, it just all of a sudden took a little bit of refining and the conditioning came. Hmm. Um, but I've always just been a mover. It's uh, kind of working for the unknown. You know, like, it feels good to go do some hard work. Yeah. It feels good to get a sweat. And you just, you don't really know why you're doing it. Yeah. But you're just doing it. And then especially as a kid, it's like, it's camouflaged as... Uh, as you just playing. Yeah. Hanging around with some buddies, dicking around. Well, you know, when I got into Broken Skull Ranch, people were like, why what? Are you, why are you so prepared? Broken Skull Ranch, what? <laughs> Hell yeah, you're talking to the man. No, but <laughs> when I got into it, people were like, how are you so prepared for it? I'm like, well, I've just been getting the shit beaten out of me by my brothers for decades, <laughs> and they've been I've been beating them up too. And I was like, we just would do that stuff in the backyard. Like, oh, here's a big stick. I'm like, who can get it to the other side of the yard? And like, I grab one and you grab one end. And we just rip it to death, like until one of us fell down crying, covered in blood, or the other stick was on the other side. And like, I don't know, like accumulation of just being a wild child and like really living life to the fullest. Like, I, I think it just really prepared me for the industry that I'm in now. You have a big family? I'm one of four boys. Um, on my dad's side, there's five siblings. On my mom's side, there's five siblings. Mm. And like, it just was like massive. You know, <laughs> there was like our family interactions were always really big. And it was like kind of like a trickle down effect, like where I was the lowest man on the totem pole <laughs> and it was compounding. Like, you know, yeah. the bigger the room got, the more shit that I took. So <laughs> it's like, yeah, that was me. I was like the baby of the entire family, not just my immediate family for like 10 years. Yeah. And everybody just shit on me, but made fun of me. That, look at you now, though. You grew accordingly, yeah. dude. Like you just like like fuck. One of these days, I'll be ready for that fight. Well, you know, I think, I, I think you're right. I think uh, because the whole family was like so invested with like wh like where I was, you know, being at the bottom, you yeah. know, like any anything I had going on was a big deal. And the entire family would talk about it. Like I had a learning disability, but it was like this huge thing in the family. I'm like, why is it everybody's business? Like. I have a hard time in school. It's not that big of a deal. I'm sure at some point uh, things will level off or I'll find something that I like to do or yeah. that doesn't matter as much. Or like I, I peed the bed for a long time, you know, like then that was a huge, like the whole family knew about it. And it just kept on, it was just constantly. Yeah, it was, yeah, it was just piling up on me. And I'm like, fuck, you know, I was like 10 or 11 or whatever. And as I got older with the learning disability stuff too, it's like that was kind of always, that was kind of always there. But whenever we got together as a family, uh, you know, I always felt like I had something to prove, like whether we were playing wiffle ball or we would play fucking tennis. There was a swimming pool across the street from where my grandfather uh, had his house and where we all met up. And we were just basketball for hours. Didn't matter what it was, but we were all trying to like be the best. And like yourself, we were just killing each other. Yeah. Do you think uh, this is something I'm curious about? Like, did were you in resource room and all that kind of stuff? Oh yeah, dude, I was in it from like the age of seven until I was eighteen. <laughs> yeah. yeah, and they would put me down. They'd have a teacher sit next to me. They'd hand me all these like squishy balls and rubber. So you grew bands. up in New York too, you said, right? Yeah, grew up in New York, yeah. Connecticut, and like they just were like, you know, like there's something wrong with this boy, <laughs> and we're just gonna have to keep an eye on him all the time. Yeah, can't can't quite figure it out. And I was the same way. And they would just say, hey, you know, like what colors the sky? And I'd be like, well. Sometimes it's gray, sometimes it's blue, sometimes it's orange. And they're like, no, it's blue. You know, like they just wanted you to say like a certain exactly. thing. And then my brain never worked that way. I just kind of always have seen things, uh, you know, a little different, a little differently, you know. But do you think that helped you in business? Because like, admittedly now, like I went to my 10 year high school reunion uh, back in December 
And not that like I put a, like a ruler up against everybody, but back in the day, I was the big deadbeat. Everyone mm. was like, this kid's insane. He's either going to end up in jail or in a <laughs> mental institute. Right. And now, like, I looked at all these guys, and I'm like, I've literally projected past you like a thousand miles. Right. And I wasn't trying to make anybody feel bad, but it was just so weird to all of a sudden. Yeah, but you're the guy, you're the guy that they want to take the picture with. Yeah, that that they went to high school with, and and not vice versa. Like you don't really care if you get a picture with them. But does it feel weird for you? Like I'm sure you've had to have bumped into some of these people yeah. down the line and being like, "Hey, remember that time you guys were like, you know, hey, kooky head, like, you know, why don't you go to the resource room?" I'm like, "Well, fuck." Ten years <laughs> later, I'm coming after you. Yeah, no, all that stuff has uh, not been in the back of my mind. It's been in the front of my mind, and it's still there. Yeah. You know, it's still there. It's still. You know, part of it's part of like some of the shit that wakes me up at four o'clock in the morning to go train. Like tomorrow, we're gonna go hit up some shoulders. We're gonna get jacked. Boulder shoulders. You can't wreck me. I have a contest starting on Sunday, but I will be there. What kind of contest? What are we doing here? Pizza? Okay, so let's we're just, eating pizza. I've I've tried those kind of contests, oh. and after watching the most recent record holder eating seventy-two hot dogs in yeah. ten minutes. That was the most disturbing thing I've ever recognized. Pretty I crazy. think I can take on most physical challenges, but I will concede in that fact. You ever seen the ice cream guy, the guy that wolfed down the ice cream, but in between? So this guy figured out that he could eat more ice cream. He just has to eat French fries in between. How do you figure that out? Because he's fat and disgusting. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, so it's uh, it's actually like a thing. It's a scientific thing called palate fatigue. And so because you're eating something sweet, your body can only handle so much of it. So when you have something salty in between, then you can crush more of it. I need to bring that into the gym. Fantastic. On Saturday, I go... So I I, I compete in a sport where every once in a while, I kind of go out of my my, my sphere a little bit, and like I would go to a powerlifting meet just to see what I could do. Obviously, when the plates start getting put on the bar, I'm far behind somebody like you. But I'll just do it because I want to. And uh, so this weekend, I compete in CrossFit every once in a while and just to have fun with it. The C word. Yeah. I know you guys love that. Highly functional, nice. making non-sensories. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So I'm going to go to Kansas to go work out with this kid, Jacob Hepner, and I'm going to do a mock regional. We didn't make it to regionals. He's a, one of the best CrossFitters in the world, but because of some new standard, he couldn't make it. Mm. And uh, we're going to duke it out for four days and see if we can take on some of the biggest scores. So I'm doing that next week. Oh, sick. Yeah. Yeah, I've been working on my fitness. As you can Damn. see, I've been working on my here-to-heres and here-to-heres. <laughs> so the boulder shoulders actually might help a little bit. Yeah, it'll be a lot of fun. Um, so you live here in Malibu, and you live on a ranch, and you said you have like weights up there and everything? Constantly. So like uh, my ranch, obviously, I wish I could say it was mine. I am just uh, a member of the ranch. Mm-hmm. Uh, the guys who own it, very successful real estate uh, agents, and they have just, you know, this is one of their many properties. I've been helping oversee it for many years. Awesome. And uh, I have my own little section, which is used to be horse stables, and now I've been transferred over into, um, it burnt down in 2007, unfortunately, rebuilt into apartments, and there's a humongous corridor, which was meant for horses, which now has all of my weights in it. And like, you know, just like you, I'm sure over years of lifting and lifting and lifting and starting to accrue success, people start to send you some gear. Yeah. And I was talking to him about this earlier. It's like, I just have so much random stuff that I've acquired over the That's years. So like, yeah, it's a blast. So random strongman stuff, lots of great barbells, lots of great kettlebell collections, all the craziest conditioning tools you could imagine. And uh, it's been like my my little lab of mm. designing myself as uh, for any kind of comp- contest I want. 
Oh, that's cool. Yeah. And then you're you're gone for like the rest of this month. Uh, oh, yeah. Sometime tomorrow you leave or something, right? I mean, it's a constant lifestyle where I'm sure with you, like you have a family and a business, mm-hmm. so there's a little bit more of a center circle for you. But for someone like myself, like I'm, I'm trying to always like, you know, take on new challenges, new tasks, introduce myself to new people. Like that's why I was really excited to kind of come down here and meet you. It's yeah. like, you know, even though you live in Sacramento, the likelihood of us bumping into each other anytime soon is small. You may connect the dots. I met Jay, so on and so forth. Mm-hmm. So right after this CrossFit contest, CrossFit games, New York City for work, mm-hmm. and then back to the boo. All over the place. Yeah, man. You gotta be you gotta be a multifaceted man, but you also have to live like I live in a backpack and I've grown accustomed to that. Like I right when I left high school, I, I had to go to rehab for a year and like, you know, I was just constantly like I learned to live in a backpack because mm-hmm. I was living in a rehab where we were just in the woods and you had one pair of pants, you had a tarp, you had a canteen, a couple pairs of socks, a couple t shirts, and I lived like that for three and a half months. So I you know I could shred the whole world in this pair of shorts and shirt, and I would looking, never get tired of it. Looking pretty damn good. You like this? I like those legs. <laughs> High thighs, baby. Uh, what was this rehab about? What happened? Um, I think I was just kind of testing the boundaries. I was never a person who was like deep into the substance, but I was more of a person who really liked to enjoy it. It was just like, you know, most people uh, want to kick back on the beach right here. We'll have like a Corona next to them. I was right. like, maybe a bag of cocaine. Right next to that Corona, <laughs> and uh, and it became more of like a a weekend thing of Why like is everybody gonna be so judgmental against a bag of cocaine. I mean, Christ Almighty, you're eating chips. I'm doing cocaine. I mean, just stick to your side of the table. I'll enjoy myself. Uh, but the reality was, is like I, it became an everyday thing. Mm. It wasn't like I was living with track marks on my arm, but uh, it was the opportunity. Like if I came over to this house and it was two o'clock in the afternoon on a Wednesday, where we Friday right now, uh, and you offered that to me, I wouldn't have said no, even if I had all these other responsibilities to do throughout the day. So, um, and eventually I started getting arrested a lot, not for like trafficking drugs, but more so like, hey, there's a big window, I'm gonna throw a rock through it, or uh, I'm, there's a you know they're taking SATs, I'm gonna pull the fire alarm. There was a plenty of things that I... So you were doing these things like during high school? Oh, yeah. yeah. Yeah, during high school. I only got one arrest uh, after high school. I was dressed up like Hello Kitty during Halloween. I was running over the top of cars because it was the quickest path possible to get through <laughs> to the next party. And I, my ass fell through a window shield and um, I was detained for having too much fun. <laughs> like, you, sir, are having too much fun. You need to come with us. But uh, it, it eventually became this thing where it was like, y- you probably need to be um, taught some lessons. So I had to go like this whole circuit of rehabs. Mm. And uh, admittedly, uh, I learned some valuable lessons and insight to what it looks like when you go too deep down the rabbit hole. Because I was probably like more of like a surface-based addict. And then there were some people who were like really in the depth of it all. Right. And uh, I got to see them. So it gave me perspective. So that's probably the best thing I gained from it. But then after that, um, I came out and I dabbled a little bit with drugs, and then I recognized that really, like, that wasn't my place in life. And like, mm-hmm. eventually, like, I just got really into the fitness thing. But I think it's like a like-minded story where like a lot of people who find substance abuse also find fitness abuse like a very similar avenue for them. Yeah. And not to say like I'm abusive with my fitness, but I, I am very, very like hardlined about it. Like you know, like you, like you're like five a.m weightlifting yeah. like if you came over to my gym for 5 a.m and i said 5 a.m and you show up at 5 15 i'm in the middle of my sets and you better be fucking warm for the next one <laughs> right. or you're out right but, yeah 
So yeah, no, it is. It is. I, I find that most of the people I've talked to who have been addicted to stuff in the past, they they try to figure out something to replace it with that's yeah. uh, you know healthier. That's uh, uh, has less of a negative impact on their life. Like lifting, lifting can, uh, you know, tear down the muscles. It can make you sore. So if you, you know, if you lift, you can be sore the next day and it's maybe harder to travel and harder to do a couple of things, but it's not really negatively impacting your life. It's not going to make you four hours late to something. It's not going to, uh, induce you to, or to throw a rock through a window or, yeah. or some of these other things that are going on. One thing I really love about fitness for me is just the, the thing that it does to your brain, you know, the mind muscle connection, but the stuff that it does to your brain, um, I have not like tried cocaine. I haven't tried any of these things, but I would imagine that those drugs and part of the reason why they're so addicting is that they take you to a certain place that you can't otherwise figure out how to even get to. Oh, certainly. And and fitness provides that too, but in a different way. You know, it's not probably not nearly the same. They're probably way, way different. But fitness is something that can't be outsourced. You can't find it in a pill. You can't you can't match it up and say, Oh yeah, marijuana, you know, and lifting kind of feel the same, or this and that feel the same. Fitness is the only place you're gonna get that, you know, that certain kind of vibe or burn from, you know. Well, for me, like Fitness is like the slow burn. Like with cocaine, like spike, you know, heroin, spike, acid, spike. You know, it is a gradual high waking up every single day, getting in the gym, feeling that good pump, putting like a couple plates on the bar, putting an extra plate on the bar compared to last time. It's that slow burn of high. And competition for me is that cocaine. Like Mm. now I've recognized and I've also had to explain it to a lot of people who are in business or in relationships with me. It's like, when it comes time for me to compete, like I'm diehard about it. I'm insane about it. And like that is where I get my fix. And I understand that I have to get that out of my system and I have to like be really focused on it now. Or it's gonna later on in life it may destroy me because I may just be too obsessed with it when I have kids and like try to go back for things that I should have settled early on in life. And like f- for me, like I'm gonna beat the drum as hard as I can right now and find all these challenges that are going to really create the person I want to be or project for later on in my life. And like, as you were saying before, like with the whole fitness thing, what I recognize also with it is after you leave school, there's not many things in this world that, that hold you accountable, like a barbell or a scale, Mm. you know, or like reps on the, on like a pull-up bar. Like you can tell every single time you go into the gym, if you add another rep or you add another plate that you are getting better as a person. And like, just like you, you know, I don't, I can't, I know you're in your forties right now. You don't need to go do a bodybuilding contest, but what you're doing is, is you're holding yourself accountable of improving. You know, you can grow very accustomed to having four or five plates on the bar. To most people, that's mind blowing, but you've done it so many times. It's not much of a big deal anymore. Right. But I'm sure getting on the, you know, the Stairmaster and cutting back on calories and stuff like that's a beast. And like for me, I'm a growth based mindset. And I try to convince my friends and family and everybody I surround myself with to like understand that even though what you're doing in life is sure is fascinating and hard work, but having that gym, like it will hold you accountable and make you grow as a person in a way that you may not have had before. So like even my brother, he's a hedge fund guy, super successful, moving numbers up on the scale all the time. Mm. But I'm like, keep that gym in your life, man, because it will make you better as a person. Oh, it's huge. I got friends that they'll run into all kinds of different life problems. 
uh, drugs, divorce, uh, death, uh, all kinds of crazy things. And whenever these things pop up, I'm always checking in and saying, Hey man, it'd be great to have you around again. Like, like what, you know, what's going on? And it sounds like such a meathead thing to say, but I know that things are good when I don't have to reach out and communicate with you and you're just always around. I know that things are really good. Yeah. You know, just showing up at the gym, putting in that effort because it does mean a lot to us. And I've changed my tone over the years where I used to kind of think, um, that maybe for some people I used to kind of think like, maybe they don't need to like lift. But I've changed my mind. I, I think <laughs> no, you are wrong. You need to lift. No, I really have changed my thought process on that. I think everybody like actually needs to lift. I think that's just where we are. Like, if if our society was more physical and everybody was responsible for, you know, building things or or different things like that, then maybe we wouldn't have to. Mm-hmm. But we don't do that shit anymore. We're just on our phones a lot, and we're eating too much. And and I think not just exercise, not just hopping on a bike and not just doing your favorite thing and going on a trail run or whatever. I think literally everybody needs to do some form of strength training. Yeah. I'm trying to convince my grandparents right now. But, you know, when you were saying before, like, people showing up in the gym, like, that's my tree club, you know? Like, that's where I get – I live up on top of a mountain. It's hard to convince people to get there. But in reality, like I, I am constantly just pinging my friends. I'm like, you guys, it does not matter if you don't even give a damn about the workout. Like, just sit on the bike and watch me lift. I was like, we all need to be together. Like, you right. know, we got a club, dude. We work hard. And like in Malibu, it, there's a very, very slim window of people between the age of like 18. Once you get out of high school, most people leave here. And then most of them all come back at the age of 40 when they start to like raise kids and stuff. Mm-hmm. But no one in their 20s is here in Malibu. <laughs> right. It's dead. Like, you know, it's a dead zone. Like, there's not a lot of young, hot girls here. It's usually just bros who want to uh, surf or, you know, lift weights. And like, I've slowly been building up my tribe out here. And it's, it's like, a, it's a really weird area here. Yeah. Malibu is strange as hell. It's a gem. It's, um, you know, there's some extremely, extremely wealthy people here. And then there's just kind of like your beach bum guy that loves to surf. You know, you're either a millionaire or a bum. And the, <laughs> the the two things that confused me the most when I first moved out here is you cannot tell the difference between the two of them. <laughs> you know, the richest dude in the world is, yeah. is showing up in like sweatpants with holes in it and like yeah. greasy hair. I'm like, I I'll never forget the first day I moved out here. We go into a grocery store, and there's this nasty looking dude walking up and down the aisles and i'm like wow these people are so forward thinking they let homeless people into the grocery stores and like where i'm from like you they cane you out of the grocery store like but (laughs) they poke and prod you out of there (laughs) yeah but all of a sudden i walk out when i'm done shopping and that same dude is driving away in a brand new ferrari and i was like man i gotta check myself i was like this is a totally different world out here and since then i've met a, a ton of people like that and it's really cool like it's kind of like it's like it's Gat, like you know it's kind of bridged the, both worlds like and we can we survive and it's a very civilized society out here where i think people really really do like even though this is the richest like the rich people out here yeah. they do like to give back and make sure that this community is just oh, like a full cool. and like abundant lifestyle of like peace and happiness and that's why i'm still here why do you think you're so sensitive about your wig i know you said not to mention it on the air Jeez. <laughs> but i asked you to remove it beforehand and you got a little upset this wig right here has <laughs> has been has been basically my pride and joy. Uh, for some reason, people always are drawn to the power of Samson's hair, <laughs> right. and that is what I have right here. I mean, That's look, I understand on. that you enjoy it, and I am willing to do locks of love for you <laughs> because it seems like you're you're missing a little bit. I might need my own wig. <laughs> yeah. 
I I love I love having a goofy style. Like you can see, I'm wearing these glasses right now. I uh, I've always been a person who wants to put on a weird shirt, weird sunglasses, weird hat, have a weird hairdo, and it, I don't know why, but like I, f- I like feel like a like living life like a video game character. Mm. Like I've always wanted to be Duke Nukem. Yeah. Like I I don't ever care to be an actor, but I wait for the phone call one day where they like Hunter, we need your help. <laughs> We're casting Duke Nukem. We don't care about anybody else. Just you. Yeah, it's you. Honestly. And I've just got a laser gun, and there's aliens, and there's strippers everywhere. Not that I need the strippers, but you know, maybe a little. Well, if it's gonna, if it, the movie's featuring you, I mean, you should be able to call some of the shots. Yeah. I mean, it's, more, more. more. It's only, it's only a natural thought process yeah. at that point. But I live a very, I, I live a life day by day. I'm very excited. Like I have a closet full of all the weirdest outfits, and uh, this hair is quite suitable for it. So you, you pretty much have always been that way. Yeah, I've been a bit of a kook. Um, I remember I used to go. Uh, we used to call it dumpster diving when we were kids, and we used to go out and we would just like rampage dumpsters behind like you know department stores and just find the weirdest shit. And like, you know, it wasn't like I was like, I needed to pull clothes out of a dumpster to like wear something. Like right. my family had taken care of me and bought me nice things, but I just casted all that aside and mm-hmm. I would show up in like purple parachute pants and like a weird looking outfit to school. And that just made me happy. I don't Sounds know. like you need to have your own clothing store. <laughs> I, I'd like to start my own. There's a shop. movie called uh, Exit Through the Gift Shop. I don't know if you ever heard of it before. It's like a documentary. And this guy kind of had this. Um, it ends up being a really weird story, but it ends up being like a movie within a movie. But but anyway, the short of it is that this guy has this theory that if he takes other people's like rags, he takes other people's weird jacked up clothes, that if he just prices them really high and like cuts the tags out of them, that people will buy them. And, and he's 100% right. So he has this store where, you know, the shirt will be like four or 500 bucks, but he got it from like an outlet store you know, it's just some beat up, you know, weird looking funky shirt, but people thought it was stylish, so they purchased it. But that's what I'm realizing about this part here in Malibu, and it taught me that. Like, I'm from New York City, and if you don't have a suit and tie on, you're a dirtbag. <laughs> and, like, there's nothing really wrong with that, but, like, that's how you portray yourself there is, like, business and success in, in, the, in the East Coast over there. Like, you know, and my dad was like that. My brothers are all like that. And... For some reason, since I came out here to California, like people who seem to have made it, the and I, I, I discussed this the other day. Like, I'm trying to find ways to almost simplify my life rather than put uh, like you're wearing a rubber ring right now. Like, I'm sure most people who have you're very successful. If you wanted to, you could have a diamond plated ring, whatever. <laughs> I know that's your wedding band, but yeah, yeah. if you wanted to up the ante, you'd be like, honey, I'm I'm going to the jeweler. I'm, I'm going getting big. Some fa- I'm getting some fancy stuff. Like being able to survive in like a pair of like you know five dollar khaki shorts, uh, a shirt that my good friend gave me, <laughs> and uh, and just a pair of shoes that will get me through any kind of part of the day. Like that's that's where I think happiness is is, is starting to like really find me. I like that a lot because I think a lot of times we really feel that we need stuff. Oh yeah. Uh, even even aside from things that are like overly expensive, even just something like coffee or. Like I notice, I have this habit, and I've I've noticed a lot through this bodybuilding thing is that uh, the habit is gone because I'm not allowed to do these certain things. But anytime I like travel anywhere, even if I'm like going in the car for like 20 minutes, I'm like, I, I got to bring like some sort of food with me. I got to bring like it's just weird obsessive compulsive thing of me thinking that I need to like feed my body all the time to be bigger and stronger. And I don't 
I, what I've learned is that I, I don't necessarily need anything. It's just that I want it. Yeah. And and coffee and like pre-workout and like all these things, they kind of fall into that category. It's like, don't be such a sensitive pussy. Like you, you don't need anything. You, you want it because it, it has a certain effect to it. But let's just face it. You don't really need it. We're a world of consumption. And I agree with you in the way that like I have a lunchbox that I take with me everywhere. And like right when I went downstairs and I saw all those Quest bars, I'm like, they're there. Someone should probably eat them. And like Thanks for, for me, the halls, by the way. What's that? Oh, you know, I am a thoughtful guy. It was really touching. <laughs> what? I, I understand you're in this position. How many where, gifts have I gotten? Since, yeah. This, I said to myself, <laughs> <laughs> I understand you're, you're here rapping all day long on the microphone. I mean, you're trying to explain and figure out the ways <clears throat> of the world. See? <clears throat> Yeah, it's been hard. It's I think easy. they're uh, they're like blackberry flavored. <laughs> if you want me to go get you some, I can take care of it. Yeah, they looked great. And then that weird Mexican, whatever that stuff is, <laughs> peanuts or something. What do you think those are? Um, I think they're a, a what do you call like a laxative? Um, you know, you can oh, go, it's like a cleanse. It is. It is. <laughs> That's what you do down here in Southern California. You Cleansing know, effect. Always, uh-huh. You got me some Skittles. Yeah, I did. I did. When is this whole uh, bodybuilding like journey over? Uh, well, the the bodybuilding show is uh, like August twenty fifth, I think. Yeah. Okay. Let's say you you hit your goals and like you feel confident in the fact that you 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 basically put everything out there on the line. Is there like a place that you're going directly to afterwards and just mm-hmm. going balls to the wall? Like just eat, just eating like a pig. Yeah. Uh, I don't have any of that planned out yet, but I think. I don't know like what my coach will have in store. And so I'm going to try my best to listen to some of the advice because what you got to be a little careful with uh, the rebound of some of these things, especially a guy like me who's been pretty heavy. Uh, oh, just like a metabolic collapse? Yeah, yeah. You can just, you can just explode. So um, I think, you know, a day of like kind of doing whatever I want probably makes sense. But, you know, trying to make sure that doesn't bleed over into becoming a week and so on probably uh, also makes a lot of sense. But uh, I would say, like, craving-wise, I mean, who doesn't love pizza? Yeah. Like, I just fucking love pizza. Um, a burrito? Like, I love burritos. I thought uh, you were going to go off the bandwagon and, like, gummy bears and messed up stuff. I like some of that stuff, but, I, I mean, I'm really more like a sweets guy. Yeah. You know? So if it came to... Some of that, like I, I was allowed a cheat day, probably, it was probably about two weeks ago. And the first thing that came to mind, like, uh, it just always pops in my head, but it's cookie dough. Yes. I fucking yes. love cookie Those dough. Those sleeves that you could cut apart and then yeah. put them in the tray into a cookie. Oh, yeah. You that. should take that down. I love, I love the memes of the cookie dough. You ever seen that? Like, uh, like does cookie dough actually make you sick or are you just trying to ruin my life? Yeah, exactly. Like don't There's some kind me. of egg batter or salmonella in there. I don't yeah. know. I've never met one person in my life who's gotten salmonella, but the amount of times that people like, have oh, tried did to you hear about Brian. Yeah, yeah. He had cookie dough, man. It's just, just done. Never saw him again. 26. But the amount of times that people <laughs> have tried to deter me from licking bowls after making cakes yeah. and stuff, it's a bunch of bull crap. That's like a wives tale. <laughs> you know, when I, when well, you I don't did, want to risk it. <laughs> no, I don't. I don't. And I, I you don't do want to attempt those waters too my, much. My friend brought all these ribeyes that had, were like old by like six days and like every inch of my body was like, Hunter, eat them. And then I thought to myself, I was like, you know what? I was like, if you got food poisoning right now, you'd just be like, you got a couple big things coming up. Don't wreck yourself. Like as I get older, like you have to become a little bit more responsible, <laughs> but like 
back in the day, I'll never forget, like, gum under a table, that is fair game. Like, Might as well. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I did all weird shit like that with my friends, too. I don't know what possesses you to do stuff like that when you're a kid. We used to, oh, gosh, and this is a disgusting game, and we shouldn't share it, but I will. We used to, everybody would either hock a loogie or pick a booger and put it in a water bottle, oh. and we'd play this game with a quarter where everyone had to flick it, and the last person to touch it had to drink the bottle. And like Whew. that, that I still think about it to this day. I'm like, <laughs> what in the world made you think? Or we called it lick the crack. Lick. It, this is an ama- a man, like a butt crack. I'm talking about the crack of a table. They would never wash the tables at our school, at the cafeteria. Cool. For like, they just never cared about the tables. They'd wash the floor, but not the tables. And there was a crack in between the folding table, and it would just collect the nastiest stuff all day long. And over weeks and months, you just see mold and weird stuff growing there. And we flicked that quarter, and the last person to touch it had to lick the crack. Oh, my God. Yeah, man. Foul little kids. But look <laughs> at me now, dude. I've got the immune system of like a rhinoceros. You were, <laughs> yeah, you can't stop me. Yeah, you were building that shit up from that point. <laughs> 100%, dude. Like, a chemical warfare could happen, and I'd be like, what happened? Just, like, rain to me. <laughs> yeah, I'm fine. Well, and nowadays, I mean, you're getting paid for some of these competitions, right? Yeah. You're, you're one of the few guys to actually uh, uh, win Broken Skull Ranch. You've been brought back a bunch of times. I think you said you're undefeated. Yeah, undefeated. Uh, it, again, it's my entire career. It was, it, it was a weird sense of momentum when, like, I actually got into it was when the explosion explosion of it actually happened so like imagine like if you were the first person to squat over a thousand pounds yeah right when powerlifting became cool like you'd be the michael jordan of it right and like that's what happened with me where it just like it came up it happened so quickly and uh you know it's been like this kind of like rough and tumble backyard throwdown kind of thing for the first couple years and now it's gained so much momentum where you know we got broken skull ranch on cmt american ninja warrior spartan race all this kind of stuff where it's you know you're on television every month and did you win spartan race as well uh i've won the majority of them uh the only one i haven't won is the the long distance championship mm. which is the spartan race world title at, like in tahoe is there pretty good money on the line for that uh, you know, $20,000 for that race. Mm. Not to say that that's a bad thing at all. Like, you know, it's, it's relative. Like I do think sometimes I get angry at my parents. I'm like, why didn't you put me into football right. or something where we all could reap the benefits, <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> but it, it's a great sport. Like it's, it's grown so much now that, uh, you know, the sponsorship is very, like very strong. The television um, viewership is very big, and the cash purse continues to grow yeah. every year. So it's it's been a lucrative and fun business. Is there more money in some other endurance endeavors that you thought about getting into? You know, when I first started looking at it, like I was really, really hyped on the idea of triathlon. Like there's still big money. Like they're sponsored by Mercedes, Porsche, oh, wow. all that kind of stuff. But to me, it's like kind of like the epitome of like. If I imagine I put you on a bike for five hours a day, you just yeah. I wouldn't respect you as a man. I'd say, right. What are you doing with your yeah. time? Yeah. And like I just I feel good. Like when I look across the table from you, I'm like, all right, that dude, that dude puts work in. Like right. I don't wanna like women or other men to look at me and be like, if they're walking down the hallway, like we better get out of his way. Like I, I like feeling strong. So yeah. I, I put all that stuff to the side and I kinda would always go I was always drawn towards challenges that needed like an extreme level of of, of conditioning and just fitness, but at the same time needed this like incredible brute strength and also a very like thought uh, oriented mindset. Mm. Like to get on a bike and ride for five hours is more of just how hard you can push yourself for that long. But to get into our sport where there's just dynamic challenges all the time, like it really takes a lot of skill and, and, and fitness and strength. And like that to me, like 
continues to make me grow as an athlete. And have you done some, you, you mentioned that coming up, you're doing some CrossFit stuff. Yeah, yeah. I, I'm 29 right now. Uh, I've told myself for years, I was like, you do have what it takes to be a great CrossFitter, but I've been the person holding myself back mm. in the way that it's pretty tough, like where I'm very dominant in the sport that I'm in now, which is called obstacle course racing, but I would have to really give up that and like give up all the clout and probably a lot of sponsorship dollars and let go of that to try to take on a new endeavor. So right. I am, I'm making that shift right now. And mm. uh, if, if you're willing to support me, no, I'm kidding. Uh, like it's, it's something that I'm scared about, but at the same time, very excited about. That's a cool challenge. You know, I think, uh, you know, sometimes people think somebody has a certain attribute or like, so for example, I've been to a lot of like MMA fights yeah. and then people see me like, like in the crowd and they're like, oh, you should get in there, bro. Like, you'd be awesome. I'm like, hey, hold on a second. The skill set that it takes to get in that ring is something that I, I certainly don't have. I'd get. I'd get killed. But I think people say that often about CrossFit. They just think it's so easy. No. But it's like, man, CrossFit requires a lot. So you might be really gifted at some of the obstacle stuff, but then you have to try to figure out how do you uh, clean and jerk 375 pounds because that's what some of these fucking monsters are doing, right? Yeah. Understandably, CrossFit is a sport of, of just finding weaknesses and patching those holes on your boat. You know what I mean? It is a slow game of leaking. Throughout the weekend, you are going to lose energy. You are going to lose your mind. You're going to lose everything. If you make it to the CrossFit Games, you're one of the fittest people on earth. But then to be somebody who is like notably the best, you have to have this just in impenetrable system. You have to have a lot of composure and like you have to be able to play your cards right. You know, it's just like playing a game of poker. Like if you put your chips in too soon and try to call somebody's bluff, you're done. Mm. And like for me, that's like an incredible challenge. Like I know right now that I'm nowhere near contending in that in that field. But to me, like I would like to look back on my career and say to myself, like if I if I did make it, like you did, like, you know, absolutely test your bounds as a human being. So you like to joke around, you like to wear some funny stuff here and there, but it yeah. seems like this part, this stuff you take very seriously. Oh, die hard about it. The nutrition, I, everything, sleep, all of it. You got. Yeah. You try to make sure it's all there. All yeah, intact. I've had a nutrition coach. I I spend like people think that uh, getting more successful as an athlete makes it things just easier on you. Mm. Like, oh man, now you have like more cash, and you've got like you know, people are probably trying to fly you to their events and everything like that. But in reality, not to say my life's hard, but I have to spend more money on coaches. Every single year, I have to invest more money on like those recovery leg boots. Uh, you know, I have to get like the massage therapy. I have to go to a massage therapist all the time, go see a chiropractor. The more that you take your body to that level of intensity, the more that you have to do to maintain the car. Just like owning a Ferrari, owning a Ferrari is a bitch. Like it's different oil in the car. You have to have the brake pads changed all the time. The the different kinds of like you know profile tires. Like it's all very very premium but it also has a shelf life that won't last like a toyota corolla mm. but what you can do with that ferrari if you finally tune it and take care of it is what i'm interested in and like i i know in my body right now that i'd rather take myself to limits that make me age in dog years which i say to people very often but i'd rather die at 45 like confident in in the success that i've created rather than 80 th with doubt yeah yeah, you were just sitting around thinking about how, what your life could have been, right? Yeah. Do you regret any of the days that you had those crazy squat workouts? No, I don't. I never regret anything uh, fitness-wise. You know, anything that's related to movement, 
I always feel better after I do it. Even, I mean, even sometimes I've taken risks and gotten hurt, but for sure, even when I've gotten hurt, it's always led to something better, you know? And, and I think, I think that's something I've learned a lot as I've gotten older is like, Hey, it's, it's okay to try things that are a little different, like things that don't normally define who you are. Mm -hmm. You're going to be okay. Like you're going to, you're gonna be totally fine. And maybe you won't like it. Yeah. Maybe you get an injury or like something happens, but hopefully it's not too bad. And you can kind of just, you can revert back to some of the other things you liked, or maybe it'd be life altering. Yeah. I'm open to the idea. Jumping into some of this like bodybuilding stuff is, is quite different. Um, you know, as soon as I stopped powerlifting, I was kind of in search of something else anyway. I was messing around with some boxing. I was thinking about doing some jujitsu and, uh, I was messing around with some running and I, I, as soon as the bodybuilding shows over, I'd like to, you know, mess around with some of that again, just n- not to do crazy amounts of it, but once, twice a week, go out and hit up a trail run somewhere. Dude, I'd love to drag you through an ultra. Oh, it'd be brutal. You should just try. I'm telling you right now, the most life-changing event that I've ever done is uh world's toughest mutter mm. and it is a bitch and I'm... I think honestly, like, see if you can get your buddies uh, who work with you to go do a four-man team. It's a twenty-four-hour obstacle course race. It feels like NASCAR going really slow, and like, imagine a twenty-four-hour NASCAR event. Like everybody's just drinking beer, getting around the fire pit, having a good time. Yeah, like it is great, and like the the team building that comes out of it and the memories are unforgettable. Where'd you do that at? Uh, it's in Vegas. Um, now it just got switched to Atlanta, but uh, we. The first year I ever did it, like I, did, I had no idea what the heck I was doing, and it destroyed every inch of my body. I had to wear Tevas for six weeks afterwards because my feet were so swollen, and you know, like every ounce of my body just like was was basically inflamed for a long time. Man. But I still sit with like a huge smile on my face. That was four years ago, but I think about it so passionately. Like I just, like, honestly, it's totally out of your wheelhouse, but just yeah. go for it. That sounds fucking wild. Yeah. What do you think is like the burning desire behind some of this? Because it really just sounds like self-mutilization in some way. Like you're just really destroying yourself in some ways. <sighs> you know, uh, I was talking to him earlier about that guy, David Goggins. I think when you understand the highest level of hurt, you hi- understand the highest level of yourself. Like when you were just at the farthest possibility where you are about to pass out, break down, or cry, but you somehow hold yourself together. Yeah. Like, I, I think it's a beautiful thing. Comfort is a disgusting thing because it allows you to, that's where like dust grows. You know, if you just allow things to just be settled and simple, you, you're kind of just losing an opportunity. Mm. And I've just like delved so deep into myself thinking and just being by myself for hours and hours training. And then when I test myself to those bounds where like I'll just collapse and I somehow make it, that's when I find out like who I really am as a person. Isn't and, that crazy? It sucks, but yeah. like a couple of years ago, I signed up and I I we, I hosted a television show called Boundless, and it was the hardest endurance races in the world, like cross country skiing across the Arctic Circle in Greenland, running across the highest and driest desert in the world for a hundred miles, and I didn't know anything about what I was doing. I lied on the application that I was able to do all this kind of stuff. Like, yeah, yeah, sure, I got it. Yeah, I'm like, come on, like, run, <laughs> whatever, hundred miles, no big deal. Add another one if you want. Like and. I ruined myself from the inside out. I, I I completely destroyed my metabolism. I could barely get boners. I, like everything was dying from the inside. But it was my favorite year of my life. Um, I look back on it in a way that I would literally take the money I have in my bank account now and just cut it. And I would go again. 
Um, and I wouldn't do it back to back to back because okay. eventually you've learned enough. But it was it was something that I think people need to do because like you don't need to do it more than once. Once you've learned that lesson, you're you're pretty much set. Right. And it will hold you accountable and you can bring it back into the rest of your life. And that's where I kind of found myself. I pushed those limits and now I come back and I know where my boundaries are. And now you're a little bit more focused on lifting, right? Hundred percent. And I learned that because I had to, you know, I had to taste all flavors of the rainbow. Right. And, uh, you know, now my passion right now is allowing me to, uh, I'm, I'm hoping and I have the idea that it will allow me to have incredible success and in wherever my, like, you know, my next steps might be. Yeah. I saw, um, on your Instagram a while back that you trained with Brooke Wells. And yeah. She, I mean, she's unbelievable. She's so strong. Did she kick your ass? She beat the shit out of me. Yeah. It was one of those things. Athlete. It was one of those things where. I don't know. You ever watch somebody dunk a basketball and you're just sitting there on the ground, you try to jump up and you get only like six inches off the ground. Then you try, you do it like on the side when no one's watching and they're like, Hey, I'm not going to try that again. No one needs to see that. She did that to me where she like dunked the basketball and then people just stopped watching me because they're like, ah, yeah, guys, you know, we don't want to hurt his feelings anymore. And she just flew right past me in this workout. Shit. And it was devastating. And the thing is, is like, that CrossFit has also changed my opinion of women in the way that like like I did not know women could be that tough. I did right. not. And like I think a lot of people didn't know. I, I don't think a lot of people even realized that women could be built that way. No. Um that because we haven't really seen it before. I mean, there has been like women's bodybuilding. There's been some different things where women have kind of pushed the envelope and obviously there's been great female sprinters and track athletes and stuff, but what goes on in the CrossFit community is different. Yeah, it, it's it's really it's really insane, and to see uh, athletes like her and some of these other girls, the, the weights they're able to lift. I mean, the guys the guys are unbelievable. You got you know Matt Frazier kind of leading leading the charge, and he's he's the champ, and he's on top. But I almost think in some way the girls are more impressive. The amount of muscle mass that they For can sure. hold. And if you the watch the weights that they can lift, it's crazy. If you watched the games last year, the first event they did, I think, was a swim run. Not even the distance between here and the other side of the room were the girls behind the leading guy. Yeah. And it was like, you got to be kidding me. In my sport, you know, I finished 10, 15 minutes ahead of the women. Mm. But they are just literally just like pushing the limits of these guys. And they are just freak fit. And I, like, I'll go do weightlifting exercises with these girls, and they're putting weight, bigger weight overhead than I am. And it's, it's very humbling. And, like, I, I, I'd like to think, like, you know, I see a, a, if I saw like, you know, Ronda Rousey in the street, if I didn't know who she was, I'd be like, there's no way this girl's going to beat me up. If I saw you a week later after her encountering her and saying that to her, I'd probably have half the teeth in my mouth right now. <laughs> so like, it is, it is mind blowing to see this big shift. And like, she right there made me, because I got my ass handed to me so badly, made me want to get more involved in the way I am right now. Uh, why do you think? you got beat uh what was the what do you think the biggest difference is i mean it's just commitment to uh being a master of your trade like i was doing i was playing golf and basketball basically right. ocr is golf basketball is uh like you know crossfit right. you know i was trying to be good at both and when you start to see somebody really focus on their trade that's when you see amazing things happen and I tell people right. that all the time. Like I help coach people. I also just like help kind of help my friends out who I compete with. And I'm like, once you understand sacrifice, then you'll understand success. Mm. And like that to me is 
a very hard thing to share with other people because they may not understand the intensity I hold behind it. But as soon as like you have to break up with a girlfriend because of how much you believe in a contest, like that's when you understand. Like and I, I, I've loved like my last girlfriend that I was dating. I'm still madly in love with her, but I had to let go of that because I understood the amount of commitment that it would take me and the insanity it would take to be a champion at what I wanted to be. And yeah, almost unfair to her to to hold her life up while you're doing something for yourself almost entirely entirely yeah. and like i understand that the candle that i have right now that's burning so bright will end eventually because it will either kill me or kill somebody else not physically but yeah. you know what i mean and uh like i i re really respect somebody like her at the age of 20 i think she's like 23 years old yeah and she's able to take herself to the highest level of sport every single year while also going to college. Yeah. While there's also like guys like me being like hitting her up, be like, hey, you want to hang out and go to the beach? I, we were both in like uh, like an hour away from each other on the East Coast. And she's right. like, no, nah, I'm training. And I was like, <laughs> okay, that's pretty badass. Yeah. Like usually if like, and I'm not saying I'm the biggest dude babe ever, but if a really good looking girl contacted me and was like, you want to go to the beach? And it was a training day. I'd be like, hmm, okay. <laughs> Tell me where. I'll see you there in five minutes. Yeah. 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 If, if a girl was like, hey, I'm uh, at this fucking pottery place. We're going to make some pots. You'd be like, kidding me? I love making pots. And you'd be hauling ass <laughs> there as fast as you. As favorite fast. way to cross train. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I had weights scheduled today and I had a couple other things scheduled, but all of that's off my plate. And I was supposed to hang out with my best friend. It just yeah. scratched Family's the whole in town. <laughs> yeah, forget scratched it. the whole day and just jet over there. But for me, the only way, because I, I oh, the same way, like kind of bring it full circle where I said I have like, some addictive personalities, like uh, traits to me, I have to remove myself from the world to get the most out of myself. Like I go away to training camps every single year, just like a boot camp. Like this year I went to Park City the year before that, I just removed myself and stayed up at the ranch and didn't talk to anybody. The year before that, I was in Durango, Colorado. Like, I need to do those things. Otherwise, like, the the fancies and fabulous things of the world, like, will just, they'll get to me. Could you go to Durango CrossFit by any chance? Love Durango CrossFit. Yeah, I got some homies over there. Yeah. That That's at, that's at pretty high altitude, right? Yeah. Not, not too crazy, but it's up there, right? Altitude is the most underrated super tool in the world when it comes to like performance and sport I don't, I don't know how much it would regard in in strength such as powerlifting i'm sure it would matter in all aspects i think brian shaw finds it to be a great advantage yeah the amount of capacity that you can get is just i don't understand why more people don't like you know i unfortunately just recently a lot of these crossfitters just got popped for peds mm. uh and you know it's sad because people are willing to push themselves to the limits and take chances because it is that means that much to them. Mm -hmm. And like I try to share like there's a free chunk of information and the biggest boost you could get. I was like go to altitude. Like I right. told all these athletes and it's like they it's like they've never heard of it. Right. And I think that's one benefit that I have from being in from the endurance world that I might have going into the CrossFit world or when I was competing at Broken Skull Ranch is that I would do these big camps before any serious contest and it just made me like a just an un stoppable force have you ever seen the armstrong lie have you ever seen that documentary uh i don't believe so it's about lance it, yeah it's unbelievable that's yeah. the shit that they did with that guy his uh his coach was probably the most fascinating piece of that puzzle but you would be you would be blown away by it just the different things they did in training and stuff and you know obviously the the drug the drug usage and a lot of that was like 
masterfully like put together and stuff, but they also had, you know, a really concise training program too yeah. that they, I mean, he, this guy, he, he trained his ass off and it sucks that it's all, it sucks that he acted the way he acted. Uh, obviously he's got to cover up, you know, the things he had to cover up or whatever, but, um, it just sucks that he like went after people, you know, after the fact, you know, that everybody pretty much knew he was abusing stuff and it was just got to be really weird. But anyway, in the movie, um, it shows the lengths that they went to do some of these things. Uh, one thing that happens in the film is they go to altitude and they train there for a while, but they let that training stimulus hit hard and they, they test take the blood out. Yeah, so they test his blood every day, and they're testing everything, and I don't know what they have him hooked up to. I don't know what they're testing exactly, but they're trying to get the maximum out of everything, right? So on the day that he peaks, on the day that he's the absolute best, that's when they extract his blood. Yeah. And then they would, you know, reintroduce that, which kind of works like EPO. There's EPO, there's oxygen chambers, there's just training at altitude. Yeah. All these things can kind of work in conjunction with each other, and they all work very similar, I guess, in some ways. But I found that to be fascinating. Like they had to wait until he had this oxygenated, rich blood uh, on his hardest training day. That's when they decided to kind of, you know, pull some of that out and 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 put it back into him. But it goes so much further than that. The execution of everything that they did. Obviously, his training was super precise. His food was super precise. Uh, anytime they came and tested him, he had he had a game he had a game plan for every single thing that happened. And it seemed like he was almost, I mean, he must have been out of his mind in some some sense, you know, as it came down to, uh, you know, all those Tour de France's that he did. Well, it's like going to war. Like, it really is like going to war, and that's how I treat it. I When I pick a contest, I make sure that I contact the right coach, I have the right nutrition plan, I have the right elements around me, I have the right training partners around me, and I completely create this formula of success. And that's the amount of dedication that I put into it because I would read books about these guys. Is this all day, every day? All day, every day. When I go home, like it, people may look at my lifestyle and I'm very goofy. Yeah. But I, I, I like that. Like I like to have that goofiness about me because it allows me to relax a little bit. But immediately afterwards, like it's back into the steps of war. And mm. like for, it does create a madman. Like I, I have to go see a therapist all the time because I need to understand how to digest my feelings internally. Because imagine if I came here and like I was really in the heat of competition and like you just said something to me that was a little bit off, I might explode on you. Like, motherfucker, you don't understand what it takes to be right here right now. And like <laughs> right. you'd be like, whoa, Hunter. Yeah, and, what happened? And I can understand how somebody like Lance when like when just, I gave you the address of this place and I said that's your mom's address. Yeah, or, yeah, <laughs> just a huge. I could have got show. me killed. Exactly, and but I, it's an extreme that you have to put yourself in to get those kind of results. And I keep on saying that because I, I really want people who are listening to this podcast to understand that like uh, insanity does create incredible like an incredible length of success. And, yeah, like I don't. Well, people I, say it about Steve Jobs, right? They say yeah. he was insane. Yeah. Or he burned, wow, that guy really, you know, he burned the candle at both ends. Well, he burned the candle from every angle you could think of. But he did also set the world on fire. And he, cha he changed, a, I mean, he, you know, everyone's got a freaking smartphone, right? Yeah. I mean, he did change the world. He accomplished quite a bit. Well, I've, I've got a small circle in comparison to him, but I'm hoping that all of a sudden what I do will magnify that. 
Right. And like, I'm sure when Lance started his whole process, like I would read the stories about him. He was a little kid from Texas doing triathlons, like 13 and 14 years old, yeah. beating the pants off of all the best athletes in the world. And eventually he became, he made people care about bikes. Nobody gave a shit about bikes. No one ever cared. Yeah. No, no one cared. And then he just became a warrior and he took the United States, the greatest nation in this world, and took it, went over to Europe and battled against everybody and beat the pants off of them. Yeah. And you know what he did is he set fire to the world. Like, you know, everybody was paying attention. And then when it all came down, people were like, I can't believe you do those things. I'm like, have you ever seen what happens in war? The amount of atrocity that goes on? I mean, this may be like a very like, you know, exaggerated version of a comparison. Yeah. yeah. But you do you do what you can to create those kind of missions. And like I, I feel terrible for Lance Armstrong because I know I don't go to the lengths that he did. But I do believe in the the fight that he put together. I, I I believe in it too, and I think you know people are listening to this. They should check out the Armstrong Life because it's just an unbelievable thing. But when you when you prep for each day, um, I'm sure like your training because it's obstacle race training and things like that. I'm sure that each day kind of involves some different things. It's probably not always lifting. It's probably not always running there's probably a good mix of things is there a lot of preparation that goes into the next day like are you kind of like laying out supplements you're thinking about like the shoes you're going to wear for that particular day because there's there must be a lot of thought that goes into it you got to pack your bag a certain way if you're going to travel to a certain place to do a certain workout right yeah you guys listen to your podcast with uh charles poliquin i think two years ago yeah that's awesome I, you guys were the podcast when he told the story about how he got those, um, Olympic skiers to the gold, like the gold level, mm. um, after like them never even being on the podium ever in history. You guys were the people who convinced me to pay to have his services to learn oh, about it. Cool. So that's great. It starts with, you know, I, I love great, Charles Polk when he guys got so much information. Oh, it's mind blowing. And like that to me, like that's where it starts. I, I, I look at it as like a topographical map or just like a grid. You know, I have to understand how I will incrementally improve everything. Mm. And it starts at the very, very, like the day that my season ends. It starts like next season. And I, I intentionally will take a couple of weeks off, get pretty drunk and eat some food yeah. and just like have some fun because you need that release. There's got to be some downtime. Yeah. yeah. But when it comes to like the, the daily uh, design, I have a whole formula uh, and outside of the formula, it comes down to, I track my calories to an exact T. I have like, if you look in my closet, I look like a diva. Like I got like, you know, 40 pairs of shoes. Yeah. Every shoe is, has a different presence for a different workout. There's Olympic lifting shoes. There's CrossFit shoes. There's mountain training shoes. There's, there's everything for every kind of workout. And then I also have a, a plethora of dudes that I train with. Right. There's Big Jake who can bench more than any of my other friends. There's Nasty Nate. Nasty Nate can squat yeah. more than everybody. I got a couple guys that I'll just go beat the crap out of myself with my cardio system. And, you know, there's a couple girls that I go do CrossFit with that just beat the pants out of me, you know, off me. It's like, it's nuts. But uh, it's it's pretty cool that that I have that opportunity. Mm -hmm. my, my sport allows me to have that. Like, I'm not a football player. I don't have a team. So I made my own. I'm sure you're sponsored and some things like that. So, so things nowadays, like you, you might get a pair of shoes and some different things. Yeah. But even before all that, and and when you maybe didn't have all the resources to get those things, maybe you didn't have the resources to go to a seminar or, or to investigate, uh, you know, going to uh, 
uh, Colorado to go train with whoever, right? Like yeah. we, you probably just always figured out a way to make it happen, right? Oh, a hundred percent, dude. So I, I started out, I moved out here with a bunch of my friends and like, we were just living on like a, my buddy had made a lot of money in the stock market in college and took care of us and let us all come out oh, here. Shit, but that's amazing. It was a best story. I'll get into it if you want to hear it. But, uh, basically after he left and we had this like absolutely amazing, like extended summer camp of all of our friends in Malibu, I had to figure it out on my own. I had a bicycle. I had a couple hundred dollars in my bank account and I would commute, I would ride down a mountain that was six miles long, about 2,000 feet of elevation change, down to a bus, mm. get on a bus, hour and a half long bus ride, come into the city, teach a bunch of spin classes, because that's how I started my success in the fitness industry. So that would be like already three hours on the bike. Then I would come home, I would make collectively anywhere from like 40 to $80 there, come all the way back here and get my training done. And like, you know, that was the start of it. So yeah. I would have to do three hours of, of fitness just to get to my own workout. And like, <laughs> it just was a grind. And it's such an interesting thing when you lay it out that way. Cause if somebody told you, like if they laid it out and they, they wrote it down on a sheet of paper and they kind of slid it across from you and they're like, okay, you're going to start your day out over here. And it's going to take you maybe about an hour to get over here because of traffic. And then you're going to drive back. It's going to be another hour. But you're going to be over here for about two or three hours. And you got to get there early because you're going to have to wake up at five because you don't want to hit all that traffic and so on, right? And then you're going to make your way back. And, and then this is the amount of money that you're going to get you know, for that. And that's just to get you back to baseline, which is so now you can spend the rest of the day training, doing what you want to do. You would look at it and be like, fuck that like that does not make any sense yeah and, <laughs> right and when i get contacted by people i try to be a very open book when people contact me they're like hunter like i want to be the best at this that and the other thing and i'm like well i mean like are you willing to do x y and z and like get like i just like i'll just tell them exactly how it is i'll give them like one sentence basically and and that's the reality of it like i i I very often will have a conversation with somebody who'll be like, I want to be the best Spartan racer in the world. And I can just see the way that it rolls off their tongue that like, you don't believe a word that you just said. Mm, right. Yeah. But you're just like, you're just, you're blindly saying it. And like, are you sure? And they're like, yeah. Yeah. And you're like, mm, doesn't still doesn't sound good. <laughs> There's this guy. I don't know if you ever met um, Logan Gelbrick from Deuce Gym. He's a awesome, awesome guy. I think I have met him before because I've been over there. I've done a seminar. Is he part owner of the gym? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, okay. He would be a fascinating person to have on this podcast. Oh, cool. He and I both started. We had Tate uh, Fletcher on the podcast recently. I know he, he trains over there sometimes. Yeah, that guy's amazing. So we both met. Um, one day my dog took a turd on the ground in the oh, street no. and I asked him, I said, Hey, do you have anything I could pick this up with? I was trying to be nice. I don't want people to step on that. So he gave me a piece of paper out of his truck. I saw a couple barbells hanging out of the back of his pickup truck. I was like, what do you do? He's like, I teach fitness over here on the bluffs in Santa Monica. <laughs> what an amazing way yeah. to meet somebody. Yeah, I was like, okay, cool. We met so, over some dog shit. Yeah. And I just, I was like, <laughs> okay, let's, uh, let's like hang out sometime. And I go and take one of his classes one day and he's like, you know, like, what are, what are you up to? And I was like, oh, I want to become the best obstacle course racer in the world. And this is back in like 2012. And he's like, I'm sure if you have heard somebody say that to you, you'd be like, what the fuck are you talking Sometimes, about? Sometimes, yeah. Yeah. And I'm sure you've heard that from other sports. And like, I'm sure he was just like, all right, whatever, kid. And he was like, yeah, I'm like, you know, I'm trying to do X, Y, and Z, open up a gym. And like, you know, it's funny to me, like how I've ended up where I've been. And now he's got like the most re reputable CrossFit gym in Los Angeles. Right. And like, 
I remember seeing him and thinking about like having to pull all your weights out of your truck and teach fitness to people outside. And most people want to be a trainer at Equinox, but he started on the grass and he started saving up money and he worked right here in the dirt and got people in shape. And now he's got a couple gyms across all of Los Angeles. Right. And like that to me is like a really cool success story. And whenever I bump into him, like he may not notice it, but I'm like, I'm like, we've freaking made it, dude. And, uh, like I, a lot of people won't stop and realize that. Like they think there's something wrong with recognizing that. And I think, yeah. I, th- I think it's great. I think it's a good thing. It's a good thing to recognize. Like it's okay to stop and smell the roses a little bit, but you, you know, you do have to, you can't like cash that in, you know, you got to still work and you got to still get better, but yeah, it's okay to recognize that. Like, Hey man, shit's pretty good. Like this is pretty cool. I'm pretty excited about it. You know, and also like another thing, like saying that now it takes moments like this to actually let it out. Usually, as like a masculine man, you don't want to say that, yeah, because you just want to be like, no, I'm still. Somebody's seen you on Broken Skull Ranch, and they're a fan. Like, man, you're killing it, and you're like, oh, I'm just trying, you know, yeah, just trying to get better. Like you downplay it all the time because as an athlete, your head has got to be in the right place at the right time, and you have to always be focused on getting better, right? Yeah. Do you? I I, I always like I want to flip things around and ask you guys questions because I'm always so curious. can't do that. No? It's not allowed? I do have to pee. So let me take a pee break and then you can ask me whatever you want. All right. Do you ever lose your mind a little bit in doing these podcasts? Like feel like you've been like deja vu? I feel like, I mean, you've been talking to people for the past like 10, 15 days like constantly. <laughs> I admire what you do and I listen yeah. to it all the time. You must be like, whoa. It'll happen sometimes. Um, you mentioned that you've uh, you've done some like you've done some personal training, right? Or yeah, yeah. So when you have a lot of personal training clients, sometimes you're like, "Was that with this guy, or was that with the other guy?" Like you kind of sometimes get a little mixed up of what you may have said before. But yeah, uh, yeah for the most part, it's not too bad. You know, for the most part, it's just like I just want to you know try to get you know get some of people's story. Mm-hmm. You know, give people, I think perspective is a, is a huge asset in life. Uh, you know, learning and, uh, obtaining knowledge is, is, cr- is a crucial thing. And I, you know, I can learn, you know, the X's and O's from you of obstacle racing, but it would probably benefit me and everybody else a lot more if we can say, Hmm, obstacle racing. So you're trying to figure out the fastest way to overcome obstacles, right? Like Mm -hmm. you just break it down in the simplest form. And it's like, you've been doing it your whole life. You've talked about, um, and also you being funny and silly and a class clown and finding weird glasses and weird things is a way to overcome barriers. It's a way to mask the addictive personality probably in some weird way. Right. Yeah. The, uh, never thought about that way. Yeah. And, and, but you've, already been overcoming all these obstacles as you've been going through traveling you know an hour one way working for four hours and traveling an hour another way just so you can start your training day that you don't know what it's ever going to even turn into uh is the act of overcoming obstacles and you're you think about how how like uh, how funny something like that is is you're a master of that you're yeah. a master of overcoming obstacles. Fucking I ne- crazy. I never think about it that way. I just think <laughs> I'm a, a goon who puts my shoes on and runs as fast as I can from one place but to that's another. But th- that's important that you that you feel that way. Yeah. When people ask me questions, they're like, how do you do it all? I'm like, I, I don't do anything. I'm just just doing me. Like I just And I never thought about it that way. I mean, I guess everything's been an semblance of creating something like this my entire life. 
and but to me it's just living life and that's for most people that are successful i mean you you obviously have a drive and you talked about kind of suffering through certain things and you talked a little bit about being a madman and being a little bit insane towards it and those things are those things are absolutely 100% necessary for some other some people sometimes they don't maybe they don't need to go to that level because of genetics or whatever it might be but uh, typically when you see people that are at the top, they're usually like, yeah, I just, you know, I've just been doing it for a long time and I just always try to get better. And I have the mindset of I'm not like going to let other things get in my way. I remember seeing a documentary on Anderson Silva, who was a long time UFC champion, Monster. super dominant, right? The spider. And they were at his house and his beautiful house, beautiful cars and things like that. And they were like, how, you know, how did this all happen? How'd this come to be? And he said, it just came to be like, I started doing jujitsu when I was six and that's that. And it was like that simple. Just like, murdering people since. <laughs> yeah. Well, and, and it gives you the idea of, um, you know, if somebody has to like, you know, really buckle down and really, really work for it, it doesn't mean that they can't be successful, but it's going to be a lot harder for that person who has to sprint full speed with their teeth grinded together uh, to get to the top of the hill, it, it's going to be that much harder for that person who's expending that much energy rather than the guy, dude who's just striding it out. He's got the flowing hair and the funny glasses and, and is just rocking it and able to like almost make it look like it's easy. Yeah. Now, I've noticed that a lot with the kind of work that I do. Like I've been trying to write a book and like sometimes like I just I'm like, you have to sit down first thing in the morning and write for an hour every single day. And it's like trying to like look for gold almost and like thinking that like hitting the like the shovel into the ground harder and faster is going to make you get there quicker. Like, no, like you need to sometimes chill the fuck out and like step back for a second and be like, wait a second, let's look, look at what we got going on here. Slow it down a little bit. And things might come a little bit more lax. If like, you can just be not so neurotic about it. I think what would help you a lot is just to, is to have some downtime where you didn't do really anything, but that'd probably be difficult for you. It'd kill me. <laughs> it would, it would like, can I, you go to like a coffee shop and just like chill or no? I can. Like when I was a spin instructor uh, all those years back, like I used to have to sit down at like a shop for like two or three hours a day just downloading music. And like you might not know how much of a grind that is, but listening to like music that is pretty much across the board all the same, just with a couple different beats and different voices mm. and drops was pretty crazy. Right. I felt like I couldn't listen to music for years afterwards, actually. <laughs> and like the same exact thing happens to me almost with I spent the first handful of my years of my 20s like probably from like 21 until i was about 27 reading so many books mm. watching so many youtube videos listening to so many podcasts like i can almost as part of the question when i reached out earlier like i almost can't listen to those things anymore like it's like nails on the chalkboard right i can't even read books like you know i'm usually used to, used to be about sports and conditioning books but uh, strength and conditioning, but now I'm trying to read like books about like Lincoln or Napoleon and stuff, mm. and like even that stuff is hard for me to take. And now, for some reason, I feel like I just like topped out my tank, and like and now I need to like do something else for a little while. Right. I think if you sat down, if you actually tried to write, but not anything in regards to your book, and you tried to just make sense of some stuff, I think it'd probably help. Yeah. I just call it dicking around. You know, just like just super, you got your dicking around book. Yeah, I got my dicking around book. <laughs> just super, just super casual, and just like. uh then a bunch of ideas will turn in your head and, and don't worry about if you start thinking about other shit and you start like texting some buddies or whatever, because, uh, 
I think that's kind of part of the creative process. The creative process can't really be sped up. It doesn't, um, creativity, I don't think has a watch, you yeah. know, like I, and that's, I mean, that's actually literally one reason why I don't wear a watch. I don't, I try to be on time and it just kind of depends on what it is. But if it's like, if it's work related within the confines of my business, a lot of times I'm late and it sucks. I don't like being late. I don't like wasting other people's time. Um, but sometimes it's, it's literally part of my growth and part of my learning process is that it, it just might take longer. So I may have to spend an extra hour that day just sitting there thinking, which then will cost me time with like my food, but I can't not get my food in because then I need to go to the gym and train. And so there, therefore I might be an hour late to like my own podcast or something like that. That's bro science. Did you have like a point in time where you were like, were you always business driven or was there a point in time where you're like, man, I got to put down the barbell and like, I got to go search business. Like, you know, I got to go like chase that down. Cause I never know when that's going to happen for yeah. me. I've never been business driven. And still to this day, I, I, I want the business to succeed and I want it to get better, but really all I'm doing is the very thing I've been doing from the very beginning. I'm just making stuff that I think is cool and uh, stuff that's kind of for me. And it's just, you know, it's ha it happens to work out that uh, a lot of other people are enjoying it because it, it goes along with the message that we've been sharing for the last 12 years of having a free gym and trying to make the world a better place to lift and everything just really is kind of like funneling together. I would say a little bit more recently, uh, things have changed a little bit just because uh, we got 15 employees or maybe actually almost, I guess we're getting closer to 20 employees. I didn't even think about that. Getting closer to probably like 20 employees. And when you start to have that many people and you start to carry uh, that... Um, you know, that burden of, of everybody's salary and you're responsible for everybody's, uh, making everybody's like Christmas and holidays. And I mean, it's, it's pretty wild to think about like your direct correlation to the car that person drives mm -hmm. and then being able to take care of themselves and take care of their families and stuff. It's really pretty wild. But, um, so when it comes to that stuff, that would be the only time that I might think, Hey man, I need to step things up business-wise because uh, we're carrying, you know, some of these other people and maybe I shouldn't, maybe I should be a little bit more open-minded towards investigating and looking into whether we should create some other products that just might open up our market a little bit more. But in general, it still has been like, let's make cool shit that makes people feel better when they work out. Yeah. I always just think about like the day that I, I come home from war and I'm like, it's time to like put the rifle down for good, you know? And like I, someone like you, like I always tell people, like, you know, I, I use the term meathead millionaire. I was like, I'm going to do it. Like I'm going to become a meathead millionaire. Meathead like, millionaire part two. Dude, it is. <laughs> I'm so excited about it. I think about it constantly. Not the money, yeah. but the idea that like, it happened. Like even if I owned a, like a fast car right now, I probably wouldn't drive it all the time because I don't really need to. Like I don't need to go A to B in that thing. Right. And it's just like with all the money you've probably accrued, like you don't need to have all that money because you probably wouldn't even spend it. Like, you know, if you had like <laughs> right. all these opportunities, like just go buck wild, you're probably like, ah, I'm not even having fun doing this. But it's a process of getting there that I think about all the time. Yeah. And like that's like me with my races. Like after I win a race, I'm like, ah, oh, fuck, that wasn't even that cool. But getting there was so much fun. And like I, I really am, 
I'm starting to become a lot more business minded and I'm starting to surround myself with people who think that way because it fascinates me. It's the same way I got in, like engrossed in the in the competition. Hmm. So I can already feel like the wheels are turning and kind of going that direction. But you know, I always sit down when I meet somebody like you in this industry who has that success and ask like, was there a day like um like his name's Mike Casu? He has the Brute Strength podcast. He was a two time CrossFit Games athlete. Yeah, and like then he left and started this massive, massively successful business. I was like, did you know it was going to happen one day? Or like, mm-hmm. what what was going through your mind? He's like, well, my parents thought I was an idiot. I was going to start an online training business. They're like, that's right. not a job. They get a real job. And look at him now. Yeah, they're and like, what my are you parents, doing? Yeah, my parents originally, when I told them I was getting into mud running, they're like, go back to school or we'll never talk to you again. And I was like, <laughs> I'm going to make it. And you're going to regret see. those words. You'll see. So... I don't know. Like I, I'm excited. I'm gonna call you one of these days, and I'm just gonna. It's or maybe just you're gonna get a text, and it's gonna say Meathead Millionaire, and you're gonna know that I made it. Boom! And with a dollar sign next to it. Yeah, a couple of them. <laughs> yeah, I, I don't think there's ever like there was never like a day where I was like, yeah, you know, like made it or anything like that. But uh, you know, just there was one one instance where uh, I was in like I don't even know if I'm saying it right, but I think it's Boeing, Montana. And uh, Bozeman? Bozeman, there we go, Bozeman, Montana. And I was, uh, I went into a CrossFit gym and I, I did a seminar. And I, once, once I got done with the seminar, I saw like, I saw some slingshot stuff there. This is years ago, this is when the company first started, but I kind of expected to see a little bit of like a little bit of product there just because I think at that time, like we just landed on Rogue Fitness and like we, there was some good things going on. The company was expanding. But then I left there and I went to like a local Gold's, Gold's Gym just to do like a bro sesh with uh, my buddy Jesse Burdick, just pumping out some arms and stuff. And uh, there were people there with like gangster wraps and slingshots and shit. And I was like, holy shit, like that's it's all over. Yeah, because I, I, of course I expected it from the CrossFit, especially because we had communication. And I knew that the owner of that particular CrossFit was like a fan and stuff. And so I kind of thought that they would have some stuff there. But just seeing it at a local gym and kind of seeing somebody uh, using the product, you know, it just it made me kind of realize like, oh, shit, like this, this is pretty cool. So I had friends in high school and stuff, too, that were hitting me up like, dude, like I'm seeing your products at the local gym that we used to work out at a kid, you know, as kids and stuff. And I'm like, wow, that's that's pretty cool. But money wise, I've never, you know, I've never really cared about money uh, when I didn't have it versus having it. Um, it is, it is fucking fun to have it. You know, it's fun to be able to just, to. it's fun to have the power of like going somewhere and knowing that you can afford almost anything. Yeah. Like, that is a really cool feeling. Like, uh, you know, I remember I was younger, but I didn't have as much money and I would go somewhere, you know, I, you know, if I was thinking about like food or different things I wanted to get, or even just traveling somewhere, I'd be like, oh, I'm not going to be able to buy this or buy that. But I've never really looked at things that way. I never really thought like. I, I would, I just don't even really, it doesn't even compute with me. Like, I don't like using the word that, I don't like saying that I can't afford something. True. Um, I don't mind saying it in terms of like time. I'd be like, oh man, I can't afford to give up that much time because just there's only a certain amount of time in a day. But it's uh, kind of back to uh, what we were talking about in the beginning is like, you may not be able to do that now, but who's to say you can't do it? you know, in a, in a, in a while, or it's also a choice too. Like you kind of choose not to 
uh, participate or you choose not to. You could probably buy something that's more expensive. You probably just don't really want to. You can make a sacrifice somewhere else and you probably could figure out a way to afford it. Or you could line up a lot of your goals and a lot of stuff that you've been talking about and putting off for a very long time. You could line those things up with your actions and you probably can afford it. Like renting a house in Malibu. Like renting a big fat ass house in Malibu. I think about this all the time. Do you ever like, does it ever break your heart the value of what a $20 bill means nowadays? Like when I was younger, when a $20 bill landed in my hands, it was like a, it was like a private jet. I was like, we could go anywhere. We could do anything. I was like, what, what do you guys want to do? And now yeah. if I have a $20 bill in my wallet and somehow it fell out of my pocket, it was like no big deal. Or it just disappears like left, right, and center. I'm like, where do these things go? You can barely get a Chipotle burrito these days, you know. <laughs> I, I just it blows my mind. Like I miss the days like, when a day was sorry when I was in like I was like my college age. I was like, all right, so I'm gonna start out. I'm probably gonna go like we'll go we'll use a couple dollars to go to the cafeteria. We pay five dollars to get in. Then you can eat whatever you want in there. Then you go out. Then we take another like five dollars. Everyone throws down five dollars to get a vodka bottle, a big vodka bottle. We all go crazy with it. Then, like, afterwards, we spend the next $5 and, like, you know, getting a big pizza. Everyone throws it on. And then I still had $5 left. And it was like, yeah, this is incredible. Like, I'm like, gosh, like, this is the best. Like, $5 for tomorrow, too? And I just, it breaks my heart. Like, I'm trying to find ways as I've been getting, like, like, I've just reached this point where I'm like, I'm trying to simplify my life even more. If I could just, like, get to the point where $20, like, meant the whole month. That'd be legendary. Things are complicated with that wig and those glasses, though. It is, it is. And like <laughs> now that I've tried to take my beautification up to the next level, that's even more expensive. And now I have to spend money to recorrect my mistakes. Do you think people uh, misinterpret uh, or have a harder time handling winning? Or do they have a harder time handling like winning as in all the things that entail winning? Or yeah. do you think people have a harder time understanding uh, losing and being able to take on losing and, and learn from it. They're two different beasts. I mean, the, what it takes to win is something that is like sacrifice and intention and to take uh, losing into consideration is, is having composure and, and growth based mindset for me. And that's way harder than winning because somebody like, uh, you know, Conor McGregor getting knocked out by or choked out by Nate Diaz and then coming back and fighting again. Like that's an incredible amount of like fear overcoming like a tidal wave coming down on top of you. I think that might be like the best example. I think MMA is crazy. When you somebody whoops your ass, yeah, and then you come back and fight him again, it's like, what are you stupid? Yeah, exactly. The guy kicked your ass. But <laughs> you know, it, that that monster in the closet is always there until you confront it again. And like for me, I have lost many times in my career, but I have always, almost always come back to beat the same person who beat mm. me the time before. Fuck that guy. Yeah, fuck piece of shit. Um, and I, I, I love it. I almost love losing more than I do winning because winning uh, almost creates more pressure. And then it's like almost like kind of letting the, drilling a hole in it and letting the pressure out and then coming back at it mm. again because it is, amounting more success also does create like a bigger fall. And, um, I, 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 I keep myself in check all the time and, um, I'm looking forward to the next time I lose, but it won't be anytime soon. All right. That's my, what should the ladies that are listening to the podcast right now, what should they know about you? You're talking about all them chick babes who are fans? All the, all the, the, uh, 
like three percent of female listeners that might be listening. <laughs> is that now. your demographic? I think so. That's good. Not bad. Whenever I have podcasts, that numbers will dimin- that number will diminish. I'll be, be about- <laughs> like, oh shit, he's on again. Um, you know, available? Uh, no, I'm not available. Oh, I am. Oh, oh. I'm, you know, it's not that I'm not available. Um, <laughs> you know what? I am always I am always in search for love, but I am also um, really in love with myself right now. If that makes sense, it does. Yeah. I don't make love to myself, but I I am love. Oh, you do. Yeah, sometimes I do. Yeah, you do. But but the <laughs> the thing is, is like I am looking for my princess. I really am. I think everybody's got their princess, and I'm really really waiting to, for the day that I meet her. And uh, but I really have to have a castle for her to come home to. Is my my point? Uh. Yeah. So I'm I'm working really freaking hard. So that's that's my biggest focus. Maybe you'll uh, meet her by your dog shitting on the sidewalk. You th- I got to get a dog first. <laughs> oh. I got to feed it once. Lots of weird shit. <laughs> Walking down the street all the time, but almost certainly I'll walk around your block when I get that dog, and maybe you'll be that girl. <laughs> maybe I will. How <laughs> How old are you? Twenty nine. Twenty nine. Oh yeah, you mentioned that a little bit earlier. Is it Is that a good year? How was twenty nine for you? Twenty nine was amazing. Really? <laughs> awesome. Well, then I expect to make the most of twenty nine. I told myself I'd be a meathead millionaire by thirty, but I've got a little bit more work to do. Maybe I'll become an affiliate salesman for a slingshot, and uh, I'll, I'll hopefully make my way back up there. Start stacking up that paper. Yes. <laughs> Any good poop stories for us? Like right before the podcast, we were talking, and I jetted into the other room, and I had to take a shit. Oh. And I blasted one out right, and there was no toilet paper in there. Oh. So then I had to like Did you wipe meander- it on that horse. I should have, yeah. And I had to meander into the other bathroom. And like when I stood up and like took a second, I was like, oh, wow, I got to poop some more. So I pooped in both bathrooms. (laughs) Double trouble. Well, I'll tell you, I'll give you one good poop story. But I will also say, as I've gotten older, the likelihood that I'm going to poop myself increases every day whoa it is incredible there's young I'm, people listening to this right I'm now i'm telling you like, guys what? right now i don't understand it i mean i i, I gotta start cross training and doing my butt kegels because yeah. i don't know what is going on something has but the happened. likelihood that the plumbing is gonna go wrong down there it freaks me out like i'll wake up in the middle of the night when i fart and i'm like i almost just poop myself <laughs> and it scares the shit out of me and i got a girl <laughs> laying next to me in bed and can you imagine trying to explain that to her like someone You're snuck like, into the bed and took a poop while we were sleeping. <laughs> <laughs> but I probably say my favorite poop story, and I feel bad for telling this, Mike Rosito. It was uh, mischief night. This is one of them. There's dozens. There was mischief night, and uh, there was dozens of bil- poop stories. Oh my god, it's unbelievable. It'd be a whole nother podcast. There were windows probably twice as high as this in front of this building that we would skateboard at, and uh, it was mischief night. And we were like, we got to get that freaking building. They kick us out for skateboarding all the time. So it's late at night, and I poop in a plastic bag, and uh, big glory. You kind of just said that like it was common. <laughs> you know what? Back in Connecticut, us boys are wild. Um, the thing was, this, it was the size of your, 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 your water mug right there. I mean, it was glorious. And uh, we were standing. <laughs> we all were, like, hanging out in front of the window, and I walk over to the window, and uh, I'm, like, trying to, like, I'm trying to throw the poop at the window, <laughs> and... Everyone's like, come on, Hunter, come on. And I'm like, I can't get it out. And I'm like whipping the bag as hard as I can. And like, I'm like, all of a sudden, oh. I just give it a big whip. And it comes out and just like in perfect form, like this big log, like a baseball bat spiraling and just smacks Mike right in the neck. Oh. And you could just see it just like 
plaster around, like it wraps around his neck like an like, anaconda. Like a necklace. And, oh my gosh. And a he poop just necklace. like slow motion, he's like, like jumps back and like lifts his collar and the thing just like peels <laughs> off oh. and you just see this big brown smear. And like you can just see the insanity of anger on his face. <laughs> and like right as he's like, motherfucker. These two cops roll into the parking lot right as it happens, and we just bolt all different directions. Now, I deserve the beating of a lifetime. I mean, it was a mistake, but if you put poop on me, even if it's a mistake, you're going to catch ass whooping. <laughs> and uh, we just ran into the woods just giggling up a storm, and I never... He went one direction, I went the other, and I got away scot-free for throwing poop at another human being. Oh, my God. And to this day, that is my greatest poop story. We had Stone Cold Steve Austin on the podcast uh, just a day or two ago, and uh, he said, you were the toughest son of a bitch. Yeah. If I can't beat you in the ring, I'm going to throw shit at you. That's my, that's my go-to. That's pretty damn good coming from Stone Cold. I mean, that guy's been in the ring with like The Undertaker and I take all that kinds compliment of cats. to heart. I, I think he is somebody I will aspire to be. And like, I always just like, he is a legend amongst legends. And he is a man amongst men. Like, I just, I, I wish I was Stone Cold on a daily basis. And uh, that do you was, fear Do you fear getting a stunner? Because I, I brought it up to him. Like, he, he told me that you were one of the toughest people that he'd ever met. And I said, well, what would happen, you know, if you, if you gave him, a, if you gave uh, Hunter, what would happen if you gave him a stone cold stunner? And he said he would be incapacitated and he would shit himself. I mean, he, so he knows the power of it, but I mean, what do you think about that statement? You think that's I mean, true? Here's the reality. I'd take it like a champ and, uh, <laughs> he'd have to look over his shoulder for the rest of his life. Uh, I Cause I want you to know that I'm feisty, but I still like I thought about it so many times because I, I kept on coming back over three years. And like imagine you and I seeing each other over three years. First time you see me, you're a little bit intimidated. I'm a little intimidated by you. I'm like this big dude. And next time I see you, like I'm getting a little bit more familiar. Like maybe I can take him. Third year <laughs> I see him, I'm like, uh, I think I can get him. But for some reason, like I never lost that lost that level of intensity and fear in him. He's got those pythons for arms and his those big veins and like it just his he's got that scowl. Like, you know, when he He's would come out, look. he, when we came to compete, we'd march out and then he would march out. And it almost looked like he was going to get in the ring with us every single time. Like he walked up with meaning and I was like, God dang. So that like, I've seen like, how this goes before. Yeah, exactly. Break our neck. <laughs> yeah. That guy right there, uh, you know, honestly, he's, I don't think, I think he's going to hold that kind of intensity till the day he dies. Yeah. Yeah. He's a stud. Where can people find you? Uh, Malibu, California, if you want to meet me face-to-face. Um, Hunt the Sheriff on Instagram. That's where all the fun's happening. And uh, hopefully you guys will see me at the CrossFit Games or one of the biggest competitions in CrossFit in the next year. And, uh, you know, if you guys want to watch some cool stuff on TV, on CBS right now, we're having our TMX championships live for the next month. So it's pretty cool. Did you really uh, circumnavigate the Serengeti in purple underpants? It's true. It is true. No. <laughs> That's not true. Well, anyway, I like the video. (laughs) Strength is never a weakness. Weakness is never strength. See you guys later.